The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Doreen Grandpichet. Dr. Doreen Grandpichet is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live and to Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm here with the fabulous, the wonderful Dr. Doreen Grandpichet. She's going to be with us live for the next hour talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective. She's going to be answering your questions starting right now. I want to let you all know that we are live on several platforms right now. We're live on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Facebook, as well as our homepage, which is autism-live.com. You can visit any of those places and leave your comment. On our homepage, autism-live.com, it is a, it's a, a chat box. It's not an interactive chat box, so I have to warn you about that. But you can write in at the bottom where it says chat. We love it when you guys write in. Be as specific as possible with your question, especially letting us know the age and the, the level of the individual and the largest city that you're close to so that Dr. Grampiche can reference services that might be available to you in your corner of the world. Uh, we do like to mention that, um, you know, Dr. Grampy-Shea is the most fabulous expert on the planet, I believe. I always say the preeminent expert in the field of autism, but really, yeah, I think she's even more. <laughs> I like it better, too. Uh, and she's been working in this field for, I know, hold on, hold on to your tray tables uh, for more than 40 years, which, no, you know, like that doesn't seem possible because it would, she would have to be doing it in the womb. But it is possible. She has really good skincare, which we're gonna we're gonna make her share with us what that is. It's I think most of it is genes. I've seen your mother. She's I actually you know, started, I started using that magical powder you mentioned to me, Shannon. Oh, there we go. Uh, we'll we'll have to give away secrets at some point. But uh, but I want to know what what the moisturizer is that you use uh, because you don't look old enough to have uh, you know. I, I think you probably get carded sometimes still, uh, you know, more sadly. <laughs> well, when did that stop? Like last week, let's be honest here. Um, so, but in any case, she's has been working in this field for four decades y'all. And in that time, she's worked with so many different um, individuals going from really young children, babies up through senior citizens. What I there's so many things that I love about her, but the thing that I always point to directly, because I think it's what makes all of our hearts sing, is that she sees individuals as individuals. And that includes everyone in the family unit, the person who's on the spectrum and the people that are the people who love them 
in that family unit and is concerned for everyone's well-being, but sees them as individuals. And I particularly, the more time I spend in this community and the more people I meet, the more I treasure that, Dr. Grampiche, mm. because I think it's rare and unique, and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, the mom of an amazing young man who was diagnosed with autism at a very early age. And thanks to CARD, which is the company that Dr. Doreen founded, my son received the very best of ABA, the toppest quality of ABA. And we were just talking before we went on is about to turn 18 and graduate in just a couple of weeks. Stop, get out. I can't even handle it. Um, and off to college. And, and I have to be honest with you that that is largely due to, and not largely, it's almost entirely due to Dr. Grampiche and her life's work. So if I love her extra, I want you to know why. So uh, she's here and she's going to be answering your questions. And people have already started writing in. We're saying good morning to Nazra and Lucy and Jayota and Amanda and Mithra and Parker and Love Peace and Renee. Look at all of you piling in. I love it. Uh, I do want you to know that the show also podcasts. You can get or a free download wherever you get your podcasts. We're so grateful to all of you that we are con now uh, considered the number one rated autism uh, podcast because of all of you. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts and you can watch all of the uh, Ask Dr. Doreen's from the past and look them up by question. It's a really fabulous thing. Go to the tab at the top of our, uh, there's many different places on the page where you can find the Ask Dr. Doreen's, but at the top there is a tab that says search by topic and you can go onto a page and you can put in, you know, toilet training is the example that I always give. And it'll take you to all of the different questions. You'll get to read the questions that she's been asked on toilet training and you click directly on the question. It'll take you right to that place in the show. I happen to love that. We're a little behind um, currently. So all of the questions aren't there, but we're catching up. So Dr. Grampiche, welcome. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's always lovely to be here, and I love seeing all the questions already piling in. So thank you so much for that lovely introduction, and I look forward to answering some questions with you today. And you're looking lovely in your spring yellow. That's such a good color for you. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm going to go to a couple of questions that came in overnight first, and then we're going to go to some live ones. Uh, I have a question. Do you, how do you guys at CARD stop a child from stimming? Oh, well, that's a, a great question to start with. Kind of loaded, right? Pardon? It's a kind of loaded. Yeah, it's, it's loaded. It's a great question. So you, the first thing you have to do is, like any other behavior that you want to identify, you, you want to change, you first have to kind of identify why that behavior is happening. What is the function of the behavior? Now, a lot of, um, from a purely behavioral standpoint, uh, it's easy to say that all stimming or stereotypic repetitive behaviors uh, are, the, their function is what we call automatic. That means that the behavior itself is reinforcing, intrinsically reinforcing. So it's an automatic function. Um, but I believe that not all uh, behaviors that are self-stimulatory or what we classify as stimming are automatic. 
Um, I feel like there are other functions, other reasons these behaviors occur. Sometimes it is avoidance of pain, in my opinion. Uh, sometimes it, these are behaviors that reduce anxiety. So they have other functions. Now, from a behavioral perspective, the way once you know the function of a behavior, then there are very specific uh, procedures that you go through to help reduce those particular things. And those procedures are different if the function is automatic or if it's avoidance of pain or if it's avoidance or reduction of anxiety. Depending on what the function of the behavior is, you'll have a different procedure to follow. Um, and unless we want this entire show, Shannon, to talk only about you know, behavior analysis, I, I have to, I guess I'll have to cut it there because um, you know, there are so many different protocols and procedures that we use for based on these different functions. I mean, that's all of ABA, right? If something is automatically uh, reinforcing, you try to replace it with other things that are as powerfully reinforcing. If something uh, is intended to avoid, uh, let's say, pain, then it's very important to treat the underlying pain. Um, if something is intended to uh, reduce anxiety, then you have to ask yourself, why is the child experiencing anxiety and can I help the child overcome their anxiety in other ways. So there's there's all these different things that we do depending on why the behavior is happening. Um, and even if it is automatically uh, reinforced, then there's even within that set of functions, there's a whole bunch of different procedures. So um, I guess that's as far as I can take that answer. But I love that answer, Dr. Grampy-Shea, because, and the reason why I said it's kind of loaded, this question, is that the assumption here is that you would always want to stop a child from stimming. And I love that you're talking about that there is a function for the behavior, um, because, you know, this is one of those conversations where, where people sort of divide, um, because there are people who think that any stimming should be stopped, which that makes me crazy personally, because we all have stuff that we do that's self-stimulatory. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think if we come from a point of view where we look at what the function is, mm -hmm. that we're automatically assuming that it does have a function, which mm -hmm. is important because a lot of people think it serves no purpose but to annoy me, which is never the case. Yeah. Um, and that it is actually doing something for the individual and that we wouldn't we wouldn't even start to intervene until we understood what that was and exactly. had an understanding of how to replace it. Exactly. Because we're not just ripping things away from people and going, don't rock because rocking makes me nervous. That's right. And it's, it's that kind of thinking that we have to get away from, I feel. And I think it's, it's important because we have so many people who misunderstand what ABA is. And they need to understand that that is critical to ABA is that understanding that there is a function. That's and right. That we, don't, that we don't just take it away, we replace it. That's exactly right. And you defined it very well. I will say that even within the best ABA, even within high quality ABA, it is often the case that behavior analysts will just look at generally 
uh, any kind of self-stimulatory behavior as be having an automatic function. There is that belief that this is self-reinforcing in some way, right? And then unfortunately, I think we don't take the next step, which I think the next step is super important because it's important to identify, you know, how does it self-reward? What is it doing that is rewarding intrinsically? And if you think about it, uh, you know, there are so many different things that we do that are in just in the action itself that it produces some internal reward. You gave a great example. You know, and these are things we learn over time. So let's like talk about rocking, right? Like rocking, what function does body rocking or doing this have, right? And initially when you look at this, you think it has no function at all. It must have some sort of internal intrinsic reinforcement and people will wonder what it is. I will never forget the day when I was taking a course in, I think it was like neurophysiology or some brain anatomy or something. And I, the, the professor who was teaching this uh, was talking, not at all, had nothing to do with autism, just talking about, you know, how the brain uh, affects the behaviors that we have. And so he was telling me that um, the mo one of the ways that we can activate the parasympathetic portion of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic portion is the portion that is calming. So the sympathetic portion of the autonomic nervous system is when we have you know, the fright or flight instincts, like something horrible happens and you immediately act on it. So after that, there's the parasympathetic activation, which is you calm down, right? Calming. It, he was telling us that one of the uh, most common ways of activating the parasympathetic is rocking. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is why we also have rocking chairs, you know, and it's kind of interesting. And I will never forget that because it immediately made me think that, you know, we call these behaviors self-stimulatory, but in some ways they are self-calming. And this action is definitely a self-calming activity. So that is one, that's a great example of how there is an underlying reason for the behavior. You know, we talk about all the self-stimulatory behaviors that our kids have that are visual in nature. And there is a function, as we know from a lot of uh, presentations of Dr. Temple Grandin, there is a huge uh, stimulation factor that involves visual for our kids, right? So all of these things are super important to, to understand because if we're going to, as you said, Chan, if we're going to try to replace them um, for whatever reason, maybe they're not socially appropriate, maybe they prevent the individual from interacting with society, whatever it is, we first need to make sure we understand what is actually causing it and that we allow the individual to have some form of replacement that is satisfactory to the individual and not interacting or, or taking them away from society. Yeah, and this, for me, this is where we really get into autism acceptance. I've talked about this many times on the show, but I'm still hepped up about last summer on the show, Big Brother. Mm -hmm. um, there, there was a wonderful young man who actually had won Big Brother before and came back on and when he was on before, he did not disclose that he was on the spectrum. And this time he disclosed. And he told all of the people that were in the house with him that he was on the spectrum. 
They instantly looked at him in a different way. And he was a rocker. Ian would rock. They, you know, they all had to get together when it was time to vote somebody off. And they would all be nervous and on camera. And there Ian would be and he would rocking. And several of the housemates were not tolerant of it and said, it makes me nervous. I wish she would stop that. Blah, 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 blah. But if you look at the video, they're all doing something. There's one girl who was compulsively petting her hair and checking the, you know, and just like this. And she was yeah. one of the people who was complaining. Yeah. And then there's another one whose foot is just going like this, you know? And, yeah. and she's complaining that he's rocking. And I'm like, lady, stop yeah. your foot. Yeah. So tell me how that feels. If somebody says your foot rock, your foot thinging, or stop playing with your hair. Um, it's, for me, it's, it, it's ignorance and intolerance. It's intolerance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, so, it's, it's stigma, right? It's stigmatizing yes. the language yes. we use. It's, uh, this is what I always told parents when they first language, when, when parents first come to see me for diagnosis, I always tell them this because I honestly believe that language has such a significant effect on how we process things. When you call some, when I, if, when someone comes in and I diagnose them, that word ASD or autism spectrum disorder, it has so much meaning for the parent. And a lot of times this meaning is not the one that I want them to believe in. It's, it's some meaning that they have coming in. It, for example, one meaning is, oh, autism, it's lifelong. And that is, you know, to me, those things are words, like when you say someone has autism, immediately everyone is going to give that meaning and think, oh, this person is going to behave strangely around me, right? And therefore, their rocking is something that's intolerable. Like, it just keeps trickling. And to me, it's, it's, that's not the way to look at it at all. It's, it's just the way to look at it is basically, you know, are there symptoms that this individual is struggling with, or are there behaviors that accompany, uh, or are, that this individual is having a hard time just kind of interacting with others? Are there things that the individual wants to overcome? Just like all of us, all of us, we all have these things. Yes, yes. I, you know, it's uh, it's important for us to be looking at, at, like you do. As I said at the start of the show, I love the way you look at people as individuals and not look at them as a clump that need to be limited by anything. Uh, I'm gonna pivot now. I love Parker's question as I often do. She says, hi, Parker, excuse me. He says, hi, Dr. Doreen. Things are opening up across the country and the world. A lot of people are having a hard time with the new rules, like no waiting inside at an Applebee's for a table, for example. Any advice, not just for myself, but for everyone. We're all struggling with this, Parker. So thank you for asking. Yeah, that's right, Parker. I appreciate that. I mean, and I think it's, um, <clears throat> it is difficult. Uh, I think a lot of people are, they're just fed up. Uh, they, they're, they've had it. It's been over a year. Everybody's very exhausted from this and very anxious to get out there. And uh, we just all have to learn to be a little bit more patient and adjust to the new rules and, uh, you know, allow society to get to a point where it's safe. Because the worst thing, and we've seen this happen over and over in multiple other countries, and is that it can get worse again. It can get worse again if we don't adhere to these rules. 
and we're so blessed in the U.S. right now. And as we have so many people internationally writing in and Shannon, we often, I don't know if today, but we often have uh, folks uh, coming online with us from India, for instance. And I read what's going on in India and it just breaks my heart. There are parts of the world that are still struggling tremendously with uh, COVID. And, uh, you know, I think that it is really, really important to be respectful and to not just of the rules that are out there, but of other people. This is the other part of this, Shannon. People are gonna have a different level of comfort as we reopen. Um, there's going to be, and like I know this because, <clears throat> excuse me, I travel a lot through the US and it's completely different in California where I am right now, as opposed to Florida where I also reside. And when I go to Florida, when I first went to Florida in 2020, I was pretty shocked because it's very open in contrast to, to California. And so is uh, Texas, for instance. And I personally found myself being a little bit uncomfortable in those environments initially. I was always wearing a mask. I still am when I go to those places. And a lot of people will actually give you a hard time if you're wearing a mask. And they will say, oh, come on, it's over now. Take, take off your mask. It's all, you know, it's fine and all this sort of stuff. And um, you have to, everybody has to kind of just be respectful of each other's level of comfort, of the rules of, you know, we're all trying. It's like going to someone's house and making fun of them if they recycle, for instance, you know. We're, we're doing something that is good for humanity. So I, I think we all need to be more patient about it. Well, and I think just being accepting of, as you said, that everybody's got different levels of everything going on. Parker said that he, you know, almost had an incident over the Applebee's thing. And, you know, I think we all have to be loving and kind to ourselves first. Yeah but to other people as well. And, you know, that's one of the things that autism has taught me. I can remember standing in line at a grocery store with Jem and he was in the basket of the, the grocery cart and he was having a hard time. We're in the line in the chute, right? And I was trying to keep him focused and keep him distracted because I didn't want other stuff to happen. And there was a little boy in front of us who kept, my, my son had a scarf on and he kept grabbing Jem's scarf and pulling on it. And I was saying to him, thank you. We don't touch other people. And, you know, and thank you. And trying to be very nice and sort of looking at his mom, like, you know, do something here. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I was very mm, about, you know, come on lady, my kid. And of course my head went into my kid has autism, police your child, get yeah. your child under control. I've got enough to deal with here. She was doing nothing. And I kept looking, giving her the stink eye. You know what I'm saying? And then eventually um, I took the scarf off and put it in my bag because the child wouldn't, and I was afraid he was going to choke him. And the mother said, you know, you could be a little nicer. He has autism. Oh my God. And I said, and I said, oh, I said, this child also has autism. Uh, nice to meet you and stuck my hand out another, you know, in another realm. You know, we don't do that now. But I said, nice to meet you. And then there was this moment where she realized that I was judging her and, and that she was judging me. We both were looking and going, oh, you have other circumstances going on. You can't appreciate where I'm coming from. And yeah. in that moment, we both realized, ah, we, everybody has their stuff. 
Wow. And I always think about that. So if you're having a hard time at Applebee's, it's possible, Parker, that everybody in line is having a different hard time that's different than yours. And while that may not help you to know that in the long term, I think starting by being kind to ourselves, Dr. Grampichet, that's what I have to do when I'm going up against these new rules. I want to yell. I want to scream and I want to go, hey, you're not paying attention to the rule and I am. And then I have yeah. to remind myself, what do I want to do for myself right now? Well, take I mean, care of me first. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, and what a what an amazing example you gave, Shannon. I didn't know that story. I love that. That's so such a good example. But yeah, absolutely. Everybody's going through their own different difficult times. Some people have a great deal of depression right now. Uh, others are just extremely anxious, and you know, a lot of people just don't even want to leave home because we've been we've been told to be so cautious you know so everybody is like it's just weird like the first time you go out to a restaurant i mean honestly the other day my son as you know who has a lot of humor was showing was posted on our family chat uh a picture of me in the first like in march of 2020 when i was like wearing kind of one of those painter suits you know and <laughs> I had a mask on and a shield and I'm cleaning groceries outside the house, right? And he was like, and this is what mom was doing in March. And I was like, hey, you know, we were we didn't know what this is, right? We thought that it's a virus that can sit on things and we're like cleaning everything. We didn't know what it is at that point. This so, is still yeah. me. I love that you think that that is so a year ago. This is still me. Uh, I, I have to show you at some point the thing, the hood that we bought so that if we have to go out, yeah, this, and I'm still cleaning groceries. So just to show you the level of, you know, you where people are at, everybody's at a different place. And the rules in some places are all new and some people aren't good at the observing rules, like seeing other people adhere to a rule and observe to it. I think we're just going to see that there's going to be all different levels for a while. Yes. And some people are uncomfortable, as you said, with other people wearing masks and they're saying things to people who are wearing masks that are yes. rude. Um, it's, it's a little bit the wild west right now. So Parker, I just, I just want to encourage you to be loving to yourself because it's hard right now. Um, okay. I gotta, I gotta switch to Nazra. She says, good morning. I have an adult autistic nonverbal son. My question is, do you think that adult young people have a chance to overcome and she is from St. Paul. I love the um, word. I really love the word overcome. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love that is because it ha it it's oh, it really is is about overcoming your obstacles or overcoming overcoming the things that hinder you, I guess, or that you find to be a hindrance. And the answer is yes. Uh, there are a lot of adults who are. Who have, who have learned, just like we learn. And this is kind of one of the important, like interesting things, of course, to me, when I was developing a lot of our ABA programs at CAR, I would, uh, when I was work, had the opportunity to work with our kids directly, I would notice that they, the way they're learning is exactly the same way I learned other languages. So, you know, English is not my first language. English is my second language. And I speak three other languages other than English. And 
the level of fluency that I have with those is exactly like our kids. It's, it's exactly the same thing. Like I will, you know, in certain languages, I have to really think to find words. And I know our kids go through that. In certain languages, uh, I, I still don't have things classified in a way that I can retrieve them rapidly. So I'm not yet fluent. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's just all of it is exactly the same way that our kids go through this. And so I know that uh, I overcome these obstacles the more I practice, the more I uh, it is broken down for me, the more it is given to me in chunks that are the way that I like to learn. And with uh, whether it's a child, adolescent or adult, whatever on the spectrum, Everyone has strengths as well as areas that need help and support. So a lot of times I will tell you that adults uh, or teens or children that I have on the spectrum have are have a difficult time with auditory input, but they have a tremendously strong visual input and visual memory. Um, they're, in fact, in a lot of cases, their memory is even stronger than all of ours. Um, the way they see things, their pattern recognition is much stronger than ours. There are a lot of things that are a lot stronger. And so I think a lot of our adults uh, kind of compensate, right? Just like we all do. They figure out how to use their strengths and they sort of avoid the areas that they're not so strong in, right? And with good high quality ABA and other interventions, social types of interventions, they become more and more comfortable with practice. And as they do, they can overcome a lot of those things that would prevent them from leading happy, healthy lives. So yes, the answer is, I do believe that whether you start intervention as a child, adolescent, adult, at whatever phase, um, there's always going to be progress and you will overcome uh, obstacles. Now, sometimes are, I want to be, be honest and say sometimes I see children uh, and, and adults who are so severely affected um, and have maybe medical illnesses and, you know, immune dysfunction and seizures and sleep disorders and anxiety and so many other things going on at the same time that anapraxia and so on and they've not learned for a very long time how to communicate that they have all these aggressive behaviors and frustration and so on. And it's, it's a mishmash of all these things that have happened. And it takes a little while to sort all that out and get the individual to a place of peace uh, before you, they can start to learn and overcome their own obstacles. But that being said, I don't know anyone who doesn't learn so yes, it is very, very uh, absolutely possible for an adult to have a very healthy, happy life. There we go. I wanna say thank you to Mirtha, Renee and Elvira who are asking about Spanish subtitles. Um, we do not yet have a way to do it real time, although I will ask Traven to look into it on Restream. I know on uh, some of the other Steamyard, they have a, they have a, a setting for that. Uh, so we'll look into that. I will tell you that when we podcast, for instance, uh, 
uh, we're on YouTube and that you can uh, print out, uh, there's a place where it, where it allows you to do translation into different languages, and then you can print that out. It's a little hard to follow along, but it's, it's what I have for the moment. But we will definitely look into that, and I really appreciate that. Over the years, you know, because we've been doing this for a hot minute here, uh, over the years, we've had um, different people join us. Uh, I, I loved when we were doing Autismo y Familia uh, with Juan Ronderos, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the best name ever. And um, I loved doing that. There's even, there's a great interview that we did um, a very last minute where we had Temple Grandin and Juan and myself, where we were asking Temple in questions and then Juan was translating in real time. It's one of my favorite interviews we've ever done with Temple Grandin. So I um, want to encourage people to look at that. But thank you. And thank you for translating for the guest who is asking questions in Spanish, uh, Renee and Elvira. We really appreciate that. And uh, I, it takes a village. Yeah, absolutely. And part of, that, part of our village, as you know, Shannon, uh, uh, some of our viewers may not know that we have, we also all, you and I and some of our other friends work very hard at our other uh, uh, organization, Autism Care Today, and uh, which is our nonprofit organization. And I want to say that one of our board members, I was actually meeting with her and having lunch yesterday, is uh, Gabriela Tessier, and who is... Um, on Univision and has her own show every morning. And she was actually, the reason that we met yesterday was that Gabriella was telling me that uh, she really, really wants to engage and do more for the Spanish speaking uh, population. And she feels that there is, uh, you know, we need to develop, talk to her and develop some programming and ideas and stuff so that she can get, give to the to the Spanish community and help them with understanding ABA and autism. And I said that you and I would get together with her. So we will oh. wait until your second vaccine and then we'll go see her. I will love that. I will absolutely love that. She's amazing. Check her out on Univision, you guys. She's amazing. Uh, okay. Uh, hi, Shannon and Dr. Grampy-Shay. I'm contacting you from Austria. Is there a card service provider in Washington, D.C. or Silver Springs, Maryland area, please? Yes. So we are all over, and I saw that, I think there was another question about Central Virginia. So we yes. are all over Washington, D.C. In fact, I think the D.C. site or one of the D.C. sites was like my third or fourth site. And we're, you know, past 250 sites right now at card. So we have multiple sites in the... Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. area. Um, we also have academies in those states, which is super nice, especially in, in the Virginia area. And our academies are schools. So it's basically all day long. Our kids are in school. It's one-to-one. -one. It's exactly the therapy. I, I would love to do academies all over the country, but I think Virginia is one of the few states that gives us a de decent tuition for this. So we're able to actually afford to do one-to-one. -one. But uh, so we have academies and we have uh, clinics all over. So just go on the Center for Autism website, centerforautism.com, and you'll see all the locations. Wonderful. Uh, Sarah wants to know, uh, regarding social awareness, my child is 22 months he is verbal. However, he doesn't acknowledge his peers. It's like they don't exist. Does this get better with good 
quality ABA? Love it that does. question. <laughs> yeah, I love that question too. And uh, yes, it does get better, Sarah, it definitely. Um, so, you know, social, it's, it's so amazing. It's one of those really uh, key observations, I think, that you've made here in, in your question, Sarah, is that sometimes our kids are actually verbal, but they're so kind of um, focused on their own world and busy in their own world that they really don't pay attention to the world of others, which is the social world. So, um, and it's kind of, it's almost like they don't even know they're there, right? Um, and good quality ABA can teach the child to slow down and to observe. In fact, what, a big area of, of instruction that we do at CARD is called observational learning, where it really teaches you to observe others and uh, learn from others. And that is a, and not just that, but Another big area of focus in autism is this whole area called theory of mind. And theory of mind is about perspective taking. So it teaches the individual to take the perspective of others. And all social behavior uh, that we have depends on having a knowledge or having an ability to somewhat take the perspective of others. Now, some people are very good at that and others are not so good at that. But nevertheless, we, uh, you know, when you're typically functioning, you're always uh, exchanging that perspective all the time. All the time we're thinking, how does that person feel? How, what are they thinking? How do they know that? All these types of things. And as you teach those individual skills of perspective taking and you teach the child to kind of pay attention to the social environment, learn from the social environment and follow social rules. That's the other portion of it. If you do all of those things, which you do in a really good ABA program, then yeah, absolutely. The child uh, learns that, oh, there, there's a lot of reinforcers that I can come into contact with if I interact socially. And then they begin to do that. Uh, one of the questions that we had, the one from Central Virginia, wanted to know how do we recognize uh, the best quality ABA? What do we look for? What questions should we be asking to see if somebody is doing quality ABA? That's a that's we need six hours for that. But can you do it in six minutes? <laughs> well, we do need six hours for that. But I mean, I think Shannon, you are writing an article on this subject, right? Yes. And it's a really important subject because there are a lot of different things, right? I mean, one is that, uh, first of all, you wanna make sure you are, whoever sees your child, I think, these are the, I'll just do very quick and then Shanna, please throw in yours because you had some really good ideas when I was referring, when I was reviewing yours. But, you know, from my perspective, high quality ABA begins with a really in-depth uh, assessment of your child because every child is extremely different. Um, and then it's about understanding your child's strengths and weaknesses and areas where they need some support and areas where we need to develop just so they feel good about themselves, the strengths. And then in addition to that, I think a good ABA provider is open to looking at your child as a whole human being. So they don't just focus on overt behaviors, but they also focus on kind of the, the health of the child and making sure that the child is 
not ill and is getting adequate sleep and is able to learn all the things we want to teach them through ABA. And then uh, the next portion becomes, you know, you have all of that. You want to make sure they're using good quality ABA techniques. They have really good ABA therapists. They have good training for their therapists because those are the frontline people working with your child day in and day out. So that's important um, that you are given adequate hours. A lot of times what frustrates me, Shannon, is that I have two-year-olds who are, uh, you know, the provider is offering them 10 hours. And all the research in the world shows that 10 hours with a two-year-old is just not enough. So, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting a lot of intensive hours when you have a very young child, because uh, that, that's the period of time that the brain has the highest level of flexibility and can soak in all this information. And it's also the time that the child isn't obligated to do academics yet. So we have a lot of time to, to teach the child everything we need to. So um, all of those things. And then another part of really good ABA is making sure they listen to you and uh, you know partner with you and pay attention to the things that are important to you. Uh, another good part of it is that they continuously assess uh, how the child is doing and they change things in order for the child to continue succeeding. That's very important because if you're just stuck in a way and the child is not doing well and you don't think like, maybe I should be giving visual instructions, changing your program, if you're not doing that, then the child can't succeed. This is still a field where we're constantly trying to figure out how to best communicate with our kids. So, you know, being an open provider, someone who's flexible and open to, to learning and improving is very vital. All of that is amazing. And um, I, I think one of the things that I always tell people that where, where I sort of see where it separates, you know, the, the forest from the trees um, is if you're talking to an ABA provider and, you know, you say to them, so, you know, they're going to say, well, we want to fully assess your child. It's a big, long investment. And then we'll tell you what we want to do. But I think if you start by saying, um, can you tell me for instance, if you have a child that's under the age of four, can you tell me, are there other children at your center that are receiving a full 40-hour program? Mm, that's a like great to, one. Like to see, like, do they believe in that? Or are they about giving everybody the watered down, I don't want to say the words I'm thinking, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, is there another child that is in the same age that's got a full 40-hour program? Okay. Uh, and if there is, okay, great. Um, and what they might say to you, the right, I would think that the right response from a good ABA provider is, yes, we do, but it's only when the parents make the child fully available. That's a good answer <laughs> to me. But then the next thing is that if you say to them, pick something that you know that you want your child to work on, whether it's toilet training or something else, and saying, uh, you know, okay, for instance, um, I, one of the things we're looking for is to have our child be toilet training, toilet trained. How will you plan for generalization from minute one with that? Ask that question, because if they go, um, well, you know, I, I would have to get back to you on that. That's not your provider. Mm -hmm. uh, I just see Dr. Grampiche that that's one of those things as a parent that I totally didn't understand for a long time. But once yeah. I understood it, it was like the, the I always say like the arrow on the FedEx truck, you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the most important things is that you get somebody who understands that piece of generalization that they plan 
before the first lesson. And something like toilet training, that doesn't, I mean, I'm, of course they can say to you, well, it will be specific to the child and specific to the family. Yes, but you could, you could answer, how do we generalize toilet training without knowing the child, right? That's right. And it's such a very important point you made, Shannon, and it goes both ways, I want to say. So it's kind of like, make sure that the things that the child learns are generalized. That's part one. And the reverse of it, too, is that make sure that there's a certain type of kind of discrete trial type instruction prior to generalization. Because a lot of times what happens is like providers will want to teach something and they're just trying to teach it the normal way in like a natural environment and it doesn't work you know you need to do all that rote practice too so that the child can figure things out and then generalize you're absolutely right and thank you for saying that because there is this new trend uh among i guess they're because all these schools are churning out all of these bcbas all over the place but there's this new trend and I love me some BCBAs. Let's not be mistaken here. They're some of my favorite people on the face of the planet. And they're the ones who, you know, were architects of me getting my child back. So I love them. But there's this new school of BCBAs where they're squeamish about the DTT. And they, they're all about natural environment training because they think that parents will dislike them if they want to do DTT. Right. And I, as a parent of a child who's doing really well, am on a crusade to get parents to understand what DTT is, what it looks like and why we don't, because when, when my son was getting therapy, there were ABA providers who just did DTT. We were on the other side of the fence and getting people to do DTT and then bring it into the natural environment was like pulling teeth if you weren't with card. Yeah. Just pulling teeth. Now it's swung completely the other way. And people are like, we all want to get together and sing Kumbanya and the kids will be able to learn that way. Well, guess what? If we could have done that and it would have worked, we would have done that to begin with and our kids would have learned a gymboree and you right. wouldn't need ABA. Uh, but I go back to my my metaphor of the, and my analogy of the learning ballroom dancing. If you're gonna learn to do ballroom dancing, you're gonna go in and they're gonna have the little feet on the floor with numbers. Yeah. And you're gonna learn it that way first. That's right. So that then when you put the music on, you know what you're doing. And that's what DTT is in ABA. It's that first little step. You can't get stuck there, but it, but it is what helps our kids rocket in the natural environment. And if you're getting a program without DTT or you have a BCBA who's like, well, I don't really like DTT, then they don't really like for kids to do better. I got yeah. snotty there. I didn't mean to, <laughs> but I get upset about it. It's like, why would you leave out the first step? Yeah. And it's not, I mean, and again, it's, um, it's, I don't want to be critical of providers out there, but the trends change, as you said, and you, you always want to make sure that your child is receiving the type of DTT that is the most efficient and effective at that stage of their development. Yeah. It's a fine art. It it's is. a fine art, but if you feel like once you've had these conversations and if you feel like it's a provider who's going to work with you, sees your child as an individual, has a plan, and you start with them, you know, there are going to be times when your child is going to fuss and you have to be willing to deal with that. But very quickly, your child should be having fun and your child should be seeing improvement. 
And, and all kids will, well, I don't know about all kids, but I've seen a lot of kids and my kid included where he'd make a lot of progress and then he would sort of plateau. And then what I would see in my high quality ABA program from CARD is that then they would start looking at everything and trying everything when he would plateau. Nobody accepted the status quo when he would plateau, including talking with me about what had we done dietary, what had we done medically to look at how do we get the trajectory going like this and not at the, at the plateau. Yeah. Um, so important. All right. Uh, Amanda want, says, when it comes to insurance and assessments, it takes a long time, depending on the child's age. So insurance won't always pay for enough allotted time to assess, at least in my experience. I wish insurance gave more time. Now, Dr. Grampichet, you assess. Do you feel that that, that there's um, some truth to that when you do it? Or what do you think? I think Amanda is right. There is some truth to that. I, I um, have a you know so many years behind me and so many credentials that I have a little bit more success in bullying the insurance companies when it comes to the kids I want to assess. But I think she's right. Uh, you know, if you want to do a really good assessment, sometimes it takes a lot of hours. And it's really important. Um, I the what how we deal with it, I guess, at CARD, and I think this is uh, for all these CBAs out there who are trying to assess, is that we divide it into different buckets. So first of all, there's a series of assessments that I think are vital in the very beginning, and so we focus on those. Those are sort of the uh, the ones that we are usually allotted enough time to do the basic assessments that kind of help us identify the, the core competencies of the individual that we're going to treat and the, and the core areas of problem, problematic areas or struggle. And then we also uh, have, as you know, Shannon, developed a very, very intense, detailed uh, uh, developmental assessment, which is the skills index, the skills assessment. And that fortunately is an assessment that is filled out by the caretaker. Um, the caregiver. So it could be, uh, you know, the long version, as you know, of the skills assessment is extremely detailed. It does take a while, but it's the parent filling it out. And that really, really helps us identify, like, what is going on with the child? What are their strengths? What are the issues? What, what do we need to do? So, so in other words, some of it we do, some of it the parent does. And then the ones that we have, we need to continue doing, we sort of do on an ongoing basis. So let's say six months into the intervention, we will do a series of other assessments when we can get additional observation time funded. Um, and we also assess the child every week in our, we have this process where we meet with the family and the child continuously and review kind of the progress. And of course our data collection I mean, ABA is so good when it comes to like just collecting ongoing data. So I agree with Amanda, it would be much nicer to have a, a you know, the number of hours you really need for each child. Because some kids also, I'll say this, like a two-year-old who's relatively high functioning, you're going to need to assess less than a 16-year-old who has severe challenging behaviors. So it's, just the, it's, you know, and you get the same number of hours. So, so Amanda's right. Uh, Sarah wants to know, uh, 20 hours at two years and 40 hours at three years prescribed, question mark, does that? 
Yeah, I mean, usually I like to ask, I, I like to start with uh, 20 hours or so with my two-year-olds, maybe 15 to 20, because I don't want to shock their system. And I will gradually increase it. You know, if you go in with that prescription, then by the time the child's like two and a half, you're going to already be building up to about 30 hours. By the time they're three, you're looking at about 40 hours. A lot of our viewers are going to kind of freak out at that and think, yeah. oh my God, how am I going to do 40 hours with a three-year-old? And, and first of all, ideally, you want to divide that over the course of seven days, not five. And if you are able to divide that over the course of seven days, then you're looking at five to six hours a day. And if you think about the number of hours that the child is awake, let's say from just, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., and that's 12 hours, and let's take two hours off of that for nap time and various other things. And then you have 10 hours a day of which you want to schedule five to six hours in, in one or two hour blocks. Now with the with our two-year-olds, a lot of the time I will start out with one hour blocks because I don't want them to get tired. Now all that being said, please remember all of our viewers that it is not uh, like intensive tutoring that is extremely difficult for the child. The ABA is extremely rewarding. It's like fun one-to-one, Every accomplishment is celebrated with all kinds of reinforcers. And so it is, while it's difficult to do five to six hours per day, uh, seven days a week, it becomes extremely enjoyable for the child after the first few months. First few months are difficult, I will say, because most of our children are not used to having had any kind of demand placed on them. And now we're asking them simple things like come here and sit down and let's work on some subjects together. And the child might not want to do that initially, but a good therapist will reward the child, make it very fun, go at a pace that is challenging, but not aversive. And then the whole program becomes so much fun. I like to tell parents that a lot of times I hear stories from parents where their child is sitting, looking out the window, waiting for their therapist to get there because they love it so much. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I remember the first time somebody, and I remember who it was who said to me, they're going to recommend 40 hours a week for your kiddo. And I was like, you're out of your mind. 40 hours, that's a full-time job. He's a child. He has Caillou to watch. Like he's got stuff to do. And they were like, yep, it seems crazy, but you know, that's what you need to do. You asked us how our kid got better. That's what you need to do. And I went, okay, uh, let me, you know, figure this out. And I saw, you know, my child, you know, the doorbell would ring and he would literally, he would do that run when they run across the carpet where he would jump up in the air and his little legs would be moving in the air, but he wasn't touching the ground. And he would, he loved some of his therapists. He would go, Pedo, Pedo, Pedo. Peter at the door because he was so excited to see Peter. And that's when you know you're doing it right, man, when they are so excited and they will miss their therapist. Then there's the flip because then those therapists leave and they go off of your team and, and parents want to hoard those therapists, but we have to let them come and we have to let them go and let new therapists come and then let them go because that's how we get to that generalization piece. But I'm telling you, it was hard. I don't want to candy coat it. It was really, really hard. Best thing that I will ever be a part of in my life was my child doing a 40 hour program. 
best thing ever. And if you have a child that you want to connect with and that you want to give them their best chance, I'm telling you, I'm begging you, do this favor for yourself so that your stomach, I've said forever that my picture in my head was that someday he was going to stand in a cap and gown. And that when he did, I wanted to be able to say to him, we did everything that we could. And I'm about six weeks away, you guys. I'm telling you, go do this for yourself and for them. They deserve it. You deserve it. All right. I got to stop being emotional. Uh, what, do you, what do you recommend for special ed setting for nonverbal children, distinct or assimilated? That's a very loaded question and a tough one to answer. I, I guess I don't really want to answer that because... I have different, it depends on the age of the child, the functioning level of the child, has the child had intervention or not. Um, in some case, if the child, I, I do support special education or uh, what you're referring to, I think as, as sort of distinct or separated, in, if the child needs that, if the child is not able to assimilate, is not able to benefit from uh, a, a program that is more mainstream. Um, but most of the time with my kids, I'm trying to give them intensive tutoring and support and a, lots and lots of ABA so that they are able to assimilate and able to integrate. Um, but it really does depend on the age functioning and prior services of the individual. Okay. Um, somebody wrote in and said, I've been doing RBT training on skills, which reminds me we haven't done our skills thing for today. And they said they love Jack Riley. Can we know how he's doing? Just curious. For those of you who don't know, we did a series called The A Word with a little boy named Jack Riley, where we followed him for a couple of years as he did ABA. And it was such a great series. Jack Riley is now a teenager and his parents asked if we could stop showing the videos for a period of time um, while he finds his way in the world and that eventually they will ask him how he feels about it. And, and then we may or may not bring the videos back. Can I just say that to her credit, um, Dr. Grampiche didn't think, blink an eye, said, of course, that's what's best for him. Um, and said, Shannon, take down the videos. Um, and I, you know, one of the many reasons why uh, I respect you so much because a lot of people would have been like, no, we have releases for that. We're sticking with it. And she said, nope, that's what's best for him. So um, they're maintaining their anonymity, but um, I hope someday soon Jack Riley will be out in the public eye again, if it is good for him and if it is his choice. But can we take a quick second here at the end of the program to talk about um, our skills message? Because they mentioned the RBT. So yeah. um, several times during the program, um, Dr. Grampiche referenced uh, skills and someone else had written in about adults and someone else mentioned skills living. So I want to make sure that we acknowledge that as well. Um, every week they offer something free to you guys. This week for ABA parents and guardians, they're offering a free IBT, Institute for Behavioral Training, parent e-learning course, parent overcoming challenging behaviors. Run, don't walk, it's free, get it for yourself. I'm gonna give you a phone number in a second. For the educator community, they're offering educator e-learning module, educator teaching communication. Get that, It's we're a week away from teacher appreciation week, get that for your teacher. 
Um, it's free right now. And then they are continuing to offer that RBT 2.0 training course free for parents on a case-by-case basis, which I think that parent is doing. That's normally a $440 course. It's the beginning e-learning of what therapists learn before they begin to do ABA. It's so good for parents, you guys. And they're offering 10% off of all of the skills products. All you have to do is call 877-975-4559. You can also call them and ask them about that adult program, the teen and adult program, Skills Living, that Dr. Grand Pichet was talking about. So it's the best thing that there is, you guys, for adults. Again, the phone number, 877-975-4559. Dr. Grand Pichet, we have a little less than a minute. Did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? No, I just want to say, you know, um, I love you, Shannon. I'm so <laughs> proud of Jeff. I love you more. Yeah wait to attend his graduation upcoming and um you are an inspiration to so many people and uh you know i i agree with you and it's it's a it's an amazing crazy journey but it is a fantastic journey when you see your child doing so well and uh jim is a superstar and i'm so excited to see him uh, go off to college me too and i I, you know, when you say you love me, I always say I love you more because that's the truth. Um, It's like there is no, there are no words, uh, as Oprah says, there aren't enough shoes in the world to thank you. And um, I just, I hope that people know that I'm coming from a place in my heart when I say, please do this. I, I know many people that have stood in your shoes and had a moment where they're like, well, I could do ABA and I can go half in, or I can do ABA, and I can go all in, or I can go do something else, or I can do nothing. I've seen all of those outcomes. And I can, I, you know, we could do the regrets parade. of People who would say to me, I should have listened to you. I should have done this. I should have, would have, could have. Don't just what, and and whatever age um, you are at, or your child is at right now, help yourself now, today. Today's the day. Um, And you won't regret it. I don't know anybody in that says I went all in with ABA that goes, gosh, wish I hadn't done that. Haven't met a single person, <laughs> which is very telling, right? All right. Mu- much love to you, Dr. Grampichet. Thank you for continuing to be there and be such an advocate for our families and for individuals on the spectrum. It means so much to us. We are back tomorrow. I have no idea who's on the show because I'm all the clumped, but something great, I am sure. <laughs> Until then... Give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, Dr. Grampichet. Bye-bye. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.